Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Threepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. You are now listening to... Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. I am Alex Shane here with you, as always, with my good buddy Rich Hill as we enter into Thanksgiving week. Uh, there's a lot to be thankful for around the world, uh, but not so much to be thankful for here in Patriots Nation. Pats <laughs> drop yet another one to the Houston Texans, the now three and seven Houston Texans. They've Oof. beaten the Jaguars twice and the Patriots. That is their win record so far in 2020. Uh, Rich Hill, to quote a Darius Rucker song, "I got nothing." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I mean. This is one of those seasons where literally nothing is going the Patriots' way. This is the fourth game this year where the Patriots had a chance to either tie or take the lead uh, in the final minute of the game, going to the opposing team's you know red zone. You know, I think all within the 26-yard line, and uh, 0 for four. They've lost those four, and you know that's the difference between them being eight and two versus four and six from them being a real competitor in this league to them, you know, being a fringe top 10 pick being number 10th overall right now. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this is where the small things that the Patriots usually pride themselves on with discipline, making sure that they're not letting the opposing team get yards after the catch, all of those things that you really need to have a good off season to draw upon would come into play. And the Patriots just don't have it this year. They don't. Uh, they don't have it from a personnel perspective. They don't have it from a team chemistry perspective. And maybe really is it a trickle effect from having a full, solid offseason and consistent practices to really get those little situational football moments that Belichick talks about all the time hammered out and, and into a point where when you're coming into November, Thanksgiving, uh, you got to be firing on all cylinders at this point in the season, especially for making a playoff push, which the Patriots most certainly are not. I, you know, I think we both picked the Texans to lose this game to the Patriots. This was the first Texans game I watched uh, in terms of start to finish. I saw some highlights, but I never really saw them play. When I finished watching that game, I said to myself, man, the Texans looked really good today. 
Now, of course, afterwards, I thought to myself, or oh, the Patriots just really bad. <laughs> Rich, do you think, was it a combination of both? The Texans looked good, the Patriots looked bad, the Pats made the Texans look good, or the Texans finally put it together after a very disappointing start to the season and are now becoming the team we all kind of thought they'd be in August? Uh, you know, maybe a little bit of all of the above. Uh, I mean, the Patriots absolutely were terrible on defense. There's no way around that. They didn't have the ability to stop Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson was picking up yards on crucial moments on the ground. They couldn't defend the pass whatsoever. They allowed three different players to rack up over 80 yards through the air. This is just the Patriots' defense not doing a great job. On the other hand, they also had uh, you know, a lot of okay things happening for the Texans where like they were making their own magic. They were like Deshaun Watson was undeniably hitting passes at like a, you know, that was top quarterback in the league sort of production. So that was definitely something that they were making happen on their own. Uh, and, and it was kind of a, it's about time. They have so much talent. When you have Brandon Cooks, when you have Will Fuller, you have enough players on offense to connect uh, and put up yards. So it was also a matter of time, but the Patriots absolutely just opened up their arms and just couldn't do anything on defense. Uh, and then they also just couldn't finish things while they're on offense too. No, no, they couldn't. And there's some very head-scratching play calling that came out of the Patriots that they were running the ball pretty well, and then they decided for some reason to just stop running it. Uh, unless it was like second and 30, then they'd go for like a draw play to pick up three yards. But it was very, very interesting to watch the Patriots kind of just readjust on the fly when I don't think they needed to. Maybe they panicked a bit when they went down 21-10 to 10 and thought that since Deshaun Watson and the offense was so productive, they couldn't just play possession football. They had to go score for score. I don't know. Um, this is not a game where I'm sitting here on Tuesday morning and I have any clue what really happened or what this team really is. But I do know, Rich, that at 4-6, and six, um, the playoffs are all but out of the picture right now. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, there's as you said, there's six games left in this season. They're uh, roughly three games back of most of the wild card spots. You know, the Titans, the Browns, they're both seven and three. Uh, the the Raiders are six and four, and the Patriots have the tiebreaker with them. But there's also the Ravens and the the Dolphins at six and four. So the odds that the Patriots leapfrogging all three of them is not great. You know, those teams are all playing very well. It's not out of the question. But right now, the reality is that the Patriots are behind the Denver freaking Broncos in the AFC. And so they're the 11th seed right now. They need to get up to the 7th. It's not mathematically impossible. They're not the New York Jets. But it's not good. They have a very difficult remaining schedule for the rest of the year. It's not looking good for the Patriots if they can't win these gimme games uh, against you know teams that have the worst records in the league. If they can't beat the Broncos, if they can't beat the the Texans, uh, if they can't beat the Chargers in the coming weeks, then I mean obviously they don't deserve to be in the playoffs. But they're just not doing what it needs to in order to win. No, no, they're not. And I don't want to sit here and say it's the kind of thing where they play to the level of their competition, because I don't even think it's that. There were some Patriots teams in the past that played down to their competition and snuck out some games against teams that they probably should have beaten by two or three scores. But there's just some fundamentals uh, with this team that just isn't quite there. Uh, one thing I don't want to do, I think let's talk, let's talk about the offense first, Rich, because I feel like this, we, could, we could send an entire podcast on the defense and, <laughs> and what happened. Um, but I'm very curious to know your take on a couple of things. Uh, why, A, you think the Patriots kind of abandoned the run game when the run game's always been their strength against the worst rushing defense in the entire NFL, A, and B, what's going on with the kill, Harry? Because 
Demir Bird had a great game. Uh, a receiver finally caught a touchdown pass, so a nice little bright spot for the Patriots there. Uh, but he didn't really see that much action. He had a couple of penalties he was called for. He had eight targets, which isn't bad, um, but it's not like he was an integral part of the offense. So I'd love to know your take on why they stopped running it and whether it's time to maybe finally not pull the plug on Nikhil Harry, but turn the dimmer switch down to low. Yeah, I mean, I, I think... Uh, for the rushing attack, when they fell behind at the half, they were down 11 points. And the Patriots, they, they didn't move away necessarily from Harris. He got the very first play of the, the third quarter. He got one yard, but there was a Nikhil Harry holding penalty that brought them back 10 yards. So that kind of tanked that drive. But then on the, the very next one, the Patriots said, you know what, we're going to go to the James White offense. We need to hurry up. We need to get points quickly. And so they transitioned to James White, and they were giving him more opportunities to allow the Patriots to get back into the game because, uh, you know, as the third quarter was taken away and as the Patriots were still down multiple scores, the Patriots decided, you know what, we need to go to our passing offense. We, we can't rely on the, the ground game as much as we could before. And then, you know, the Patriots scored a touchdown, the, the Texans kicked a field goal, and then the Patriots were back into a, a one-touchdown game. And then they decided, you know what, at the, to close out the third quarter, we're going to give it to Damian Harris still. We're, we're down one touchdown. There's two minutes left in the third. And Harris got minus two yards and then minus three yards on his back-to-back uh, rushes. Uh, well, I guess technically there was a Moncrief run around on, on the other side of it. Um, but they decided after that point that it's just not going to be in the cards for Harris to run and that they maybe they were just having more success in their minds throwing the ball, but I, I think that that was just not necessarily a, a great strategy for them because, as you said, this Texans defense was just so bad against the run that the Patriots could have really changed the tempo of the game, really changed it into their favor if they were able to grind down this Texans defense, keep the ball away from Deshaun Watson, and just continue to, you know, turn the tides of the game as they, like, were definitely climbing back in the second half. They were. And what's interesting to me is how well and how successful those kind of crack toss plays were early on in the game, getting Harris to the outside, getting in between like the like between the tackle and the guard or around the tackle, the off tackle plays. Those are doing really, really well. And the Texans had adjusted to that. And they didn't go big and go back to the inside or utilize the play action that much. They kind of just kept tossing it. And a toss play, when it works, is awesome. You can pick up seven, eight yards. But if they could sniff it out in the backfield, that's almost a guaranteed two- or three-yard loss, which will really short-circuit a drive, especially on like a second down. Mm. So I'm really curious as to why they didn't just go back to their bread and butter behind Jakob Johnson, who's really coming into his own as a fullback, and just kind of grind out yards and play possession football. Uh, it makes very little sense to me. I don't know if it has anything to do with the Rex Burkhead injury. Uh, maybe Rex Burkhead going down made them kind of adjust on the fly in a way they weren't expecting to. I don't think that's the case. But it just seems very odd to me. Uh, and I feel like all year there have been some very head-scratching play calls from Josh McDaniels that uh, has me wondering if there's something he knows that we don't. Um, I don't know, man. But I don't think this loss is on Cam Newton at all. I think he played pretty well overall. Uh, he had a pretty good day in terms of stats, uh, 365 yards for a touchdown, averaging nine yards on attempt. That, 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 that's pretty pretty solid. I just don't think they're really able to put together a complete game. And as you mentioned earlier in the podcast, if this team is down four with two minutes left, I have no faith they're going to come back and win it. Versus Patriots of old, where like that was like Tom Brady's bread and butter for most of his career, being able to come in those clutch kind of comeback situations and get it done. So there's just something not quite right about this Patriots offense that they're not going to be able to fix, I don't think. Yeah, and I think ultimately they just don't have the top-tier talent to take over the game. 
at this point. You know, I mean, like Cam Newton in the second half, 280 passing yards. Demir Bird had 115 receiving yards in the second half. So, like, they were producing through the air, and maybe that's partly why the Patriots said, you know what, maybe the Texans were dedicating more of their defensive resources to stopping the run. So let's, like, take advantage of what's going on through the air. Ryan Izzo had a couple big plays. Uh, even Nikhil Harry, Jacoby Myers, they, they were producing a little bit more in the second half. But I think when it comes down to who is going to put this team on their back in that final moment, there is not uh, Rob Gronkowski on this team. There's not a Julian Edelman right now. There's not one of those top-tier players. There's not a Deion Lewis. There's not someone that the Patriots can say, you know what, take over this game for us, and that they can do that, especially as you know, Cam Newton only had three carries for six yards. Those are the types of moments during the game where, Perhaps they need to let Cam Newton be Cam Newton and run the ball, make some backyard football plays, because at this point in time, yeah, he's moving the ball down the field, but once it gets shorter towards the red zone, you need to allow his creativity, his athleticism, the fact that he's just a bigger, stronger athlete than the players on defense, allow him to use that to his advantage, because at this point, they're relying on players like the smaller Demir Bird, the less athletic Jacoby Myers, the just ineffectual Nikhil Harry players who just can't get open on a regular, consistent basis uh, and be on the same page as Cam Newton, I should add into that. You know, they do get open from now and then, but they're just not on the same page. And just let Newton take advantage and say, you know what, I'm going to call game on my own. For this year, at least, Rich Hill, do you think it's time to to kind of temper expectations on Nikhil Harry? He's not going to get it done this season. The chemistry, whatever's there, is just not going to happen. He's not going to be able to get separation. He's not going to be the guy to put the team on his back. He's not going to live up to his first-round receiver status. Maybe next season with the full offseason under his belt or whatever. Um, but are you kind of done with Nikhil Harry for the year? I mean, I'm, I'm not. I feel like this is probably the the ideal time to allow him to get some NFL experience, right? Like if, if he's not going to improve over the remainder of this year if he's not going to get the opportunities to get nfl reps then why even bother like when the season doesn't matter at this point he's young let him build his rapport with cam newton let him learn how to better attack defenses because getting eight targets for 41 yards is pretty ghastly they're not putting him in a situation where he can get yards after their catch they're not putting him in a situation where he can make big plays down the field they need to figure out how they want to use harry in the first place and so that should be what they do for the rest of the year because it's not like harry is a bad player by any means when, when they call his number down the field he stands up when they, they call his number in the red zone he generally is able to do something positive. He's a great run blocker. He, he's not without NFL talent. It just seems like the Patriots have no idea how to use him in their offense uh, because he's not that traditional wide receiver that the Patriots have. And where Josh McDaniel really needs to improve on his part is finding ways to get these players that don't fit that traditional, you know, Troy Brown, Deion Branch, Wes Welker, Julian Elliman role. Even like the the Chris Hogan, Brandon Cuss, like they, he has no idea what to do with a big bodied possession receiver and he never has. And that's what they need to do with him. I just love to see one deep pass to Nikhil Harry. Just one. I'd love it. Like a down the sideline, jump ball. Harry comes down with it. I really thought that would be his role in the Patriots offense. Uh, I'm not comparing him to Calvin Johnson, but Calvin Johnson was so good at that. You can send him down the sideline in double coverage. He'd go up and get it. Uh, I'd love to see him be that. I just wanted to see him get one deep pass at some point this season, and I'll be very happy. Again, I'm not done with the Keel Harry, but again, I feel like the second-year jump, granted in a very weird season, um, I was hoping to get more from that. 
I was also hoping to get a lot more from the best defense in the league last year, Rich, that just gets gashed week in and week out, it seems, by players who aren't world beaters in terms of talent <laughs> level. Uh, Deshaun Watson, phenomenal quarterback, top five, arguably top three in the league. I have no problem with Deshaun Watson doing Deshaun Watson things. But if you look at some of the players who had massive numbers against the Patriots, like Jordan Aikens, uh, <laughs> it just makes you wonder what's going on here. And my theory is that the complete lack of not only talent at the linebacker position, but it's the literal lack of linebackers. Uh, there are, what, one, two, three, four, like five linebackers on the roster, uh, two of which are rookies and one of which is a practice squad call-up. Um, there just isn't any talent, and it's Belichick who's always coveted rangy, smart, sideline-to-sideline -side linebackers that can bridge the gap between the defensive line and the secondary. That just isn't there, and as a result of that, I think this entire defense is kind of just two units that aren't on the same page, and they're getting wrecked week in and week out. Oh, I totally agree with that. I mean, first off, they totally miss Patrick Chung and Dante Hightower. Those were the heart of the Patriots' defense. Those two players allowed New England to do on defense what they've been doing for the past five years, right? Patrick Chung's ability to flex between the safety, the slot, and the linebacker position, and Dante Hightower's ability to flex between the off-ball linebacker, edge linebacker, and pass rushing roles— allowed the Patriots to mix and match a lot of things on defense without needing any substitutions. And they don't have that this year. And instead of having all of that you know, continued experience in that defense, they have a whole bunch of new faces. And, and where the Texans were really able to pick the Patriots apart were transitions in zone. So when players were trying to pass their receiver from one level to the next, they just weren't on the same page. They weren't as clean and precise as they have been in the past. There have been bigger windows for opposing quarterbacks to hit. And, you know, players in the secondary have been a step behind once there's that need for a transition. And that's how you allow Jordan Aikens to get 83 yards. That's how you allow for a lot of these players to score deep down the field. I know even like that Randall Cobb touchdown, I believe the defender tripped and fell, but that was supposed to be a path with, uh, passive coverage to Devin McCourty over the top. That wasn't a good pass either. And so there's just not a lot of experience and you need to have better players in that middle level to make sure that opposing teams can't just pick apart this defense anytime they decide not to use man coverage. Man coverage was, yeah, I mean, man coverage was, uh, the whole thing was just a mess. Uh, I got to the point where toward maybe like midway through the second quarter, I wasn't rooting for sacks or interceptions or I was rooting for incompletions. I was excited to see Deshaun Watson throw an incomplete pass. <laughs> and it seemed that the, when he did throw an incomplete pass, it wasn't like the pass was broken up by a defender. He just like overthrew it or the guy tripped. And that's kind of where it ended up. Uh, 28 of 37. And I feel like maybe four or five of those incompletions were just kind of throwaways or the guy fell down. It was a very, very tough time to watch. It was very reminiscent of the 2009-2011 defense, which is so weird in terms of how well this defense played last year. It's not like they lost that many guys. Granted, Hightower, Chung, out. Uh, they lost basically all their linebackers. But the Texans' defense, I mean, the Texans' offense, excuse me, like isn't this just like epic world-beater points machine? It just makes you really scratch your head at how kind of Jekyll and Hyde this unit's been all year. And at this point, it kind of is what it is, you know? Yeah, no, it's so true. And I, I think that there's not going to be a cavalry coming to save this defense. In the same way that, like, on offense, it's like, you know what? Let Nikhil Harry, let Jacoby Myers, let Damian Harris just play on offense. Let these young players get that experience. Let Ryan Izzo, you know, 
get more targets. I mean, he's shown that he's an, a good enough blocker. Let him try to produce a little bit more as a receiver. Like, let these young players have more opportunities out there uh, where you, it's not even a matter of trying to win the games. It's a matter of seeing if you can figure out how to best use them. So, like, stop using the same old playbook that has been ineffective and try to find better ways to use these same players. And even if it's just, you know what, how can we better use them for the rest of this year, maybe it'll improve how they use them in the future. Same thing on defense is that they need to figure out, okay, who is going to be available for the Patriots on defense? Who are the linebackers? Like, is Therese Hall going to be the long-term answer? I don't know. Is Jawan Bentley? I don't know. But you, you just need to allow the younger players in the defensive front seven, allow the Josh Uchiers, allow like all of these younger players, the Anthony Jennings, to just get snaps out there. Allow them to get experience because uh, even when you're using the veterans out there, it's not working. So at this stage in their careers, let the younger players get experience. Treat the rest of this year like an extended preseason. That's a good transition, Rich. The Patriots are now four and six. Uh, the best they could possibly finish if they went out is ten and six, which I think is a pretty tall order. But I think even at ten and six, they need some help at this point in the year to sneak in one of those last wild card spots. So odds are pretty good that the postseason will not be happening for New England this year for the first time since two thousand and eight, which is pretty remarkable. So given that the season's not over, but it's on life support, and I think the smart move is to transition towards the draft, and beyond. What do you want to see out of the Patriots in these last six games of the season beyond just the young guys getting reps? Are there guys you want to see in terms of, are they they in the long-term plans? What's kind of the state of the Patriots as they head into the Thanksgiving week four and six? Yeah, I mean, their next four weeks are pretty daunting. I mean, they have the Cardinals, who are one of the best teams in the NFC. They have the Chargers, who are surprisingly good and competitive. They have the best young quarterback in Justin Herbert. Uh, then the, and it's part of a three-game road trip where they're against the Chargers, the Rams, and the Dolphins. And then they host the Bills. This is a five-game stretch where, you know, we were talking after they're coming off of the Ravens game, there was a very real chance that they could have, you know, either come close to winning out or been in a better position. Uh, I, I mean, is it worth trying to still win out at this point? I don't... I mean, that's the that is a hard decision to make. I think that based off of how difficult it's going to be to win out the rest, I think it's probably better to just to say, okay, we can still try to win, but let's let the younger players go out there because in order to make the postseason at ten and six, because as you said at the beginning, like they're not going to leapfrog all of the different teams ahead of them in the AFC, that the Patriots aren't likely to go six and zero. And so, like, if they lose to this Cardinals team, then their season's pretty much over. So play as hard as they can against this Cardinals team. If they win, then, you know, have another play as hard as you can against the Chargers. But as soon as they have that next loss, then they need to transition into the draft. Um, It's, you know, these are all just, like, one-game playoffs for the Patriots at this point. And, And with that, I think that you need to allow Damian Harris to continue to be the engine for this Patriots offense, especially, you know, as Rex Burkhead had that knee injury, we'll see what that means for him. But Harris is the best player on this Patriots offense. So allow him just to be the engine, focus the entire offense around his ability and use that with the play action, with getting him in the open field, getting him more freaking targets. It's inexcusable that he only has four targets on the season. Get him involved and find ways to get Harris, Myers, uh, Bird, and Nikhil Harry, you know, maybe if Edelman returns, then him, 
but getting those three receivers in Harris to be the focal point of this offense and be more creative in ways to get them the ball in the open field as opposed to using the option routes that they've typically been doing or trying to uh, not manufacture as much separation at the snap with motion as they could be doing. Rich, if you had to guess, do you think we will see either or both uh, Sony Michelle or Edelman again this season, or are they just kind of keep them under wraps because what's the point? Yeah, I don't know about Michelle. I mean, this is one of those cases where he is now available, but I don't know. I mean, if Burkhead's out, then absolutely then Michelle will be that number two to Damian Harris out on that field. So that opens up opportunities for him. And then one of those players is going to have to be the red zone receiver uh, where they've been utilizing Rex Burkhead to catch the ball in the flat. So one of those players is going to have to get some targets to take over that Burkhead spot. Um, so there there is a door open for Michelle. For Edelman, I mean, honestly... If he is able to come back and help the offense, that's great. But I think at this stage in his career, uh, I don't even know if it's worth it. I, I mean, he's almost 35 years old, right? He, he's definitely at the end stages. It might be worth just saying, uh, let's just move on to the younger players. Uh, he's, I don't know what more, based off of how he was playing earlier in the year, what more value he would be able to provide the Patriots, other than just like, you know what, rest up and come back next year. I never thought I'd hear the words Rex Burkhead and red zone threat in the same <laughs> sentence, but he basically, he's like our red zone target. Went from Rob Gronkowski to, to Rex Burkhead as our red zone target. Uh, pretty wild. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I, I will always love Edelman. Uh, I don't want him to come back this year personally. I'd rather have him see one more really solid, productive 35-year-old receiver season where he's fully healthy. Ideally, if all goes well, a full off season behind him uh, and, and one more maybe strong push or they trade him to Tampa for a fourth round pick like they seem to do now. Um, <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, I, I agree with all that. I, I just don't think there's really the I think we talked about it earlier in the year and in this podcast. I don't think like the talent's just not there this year. And I guess you just go out there and you, you play with what you got. And I just want to see. On the defensive side of the ball, I, I'd like to see him get a little more creative. I'd like to see him stop trying to contain quarterbacks who are mobile. Why not rush a couple guys in there? Why not send Phillips on a safety blitz? Why not send McCord in a safety blitz? Mm. Why not just get send crash Kyle Duggar down the middle, send him after the quarterback? Uh, I don't like this whole let's just play four on the line, try and keep the quarterback in the pocket, and rely on our secondary to cover for nine seconds. Uh, good secondary, but they're not that good. No secondary is. So maybe get more creative on offense and defense and just throw the kitchen sink at, see what works, see what doesn't. Because I think when you get really creative in the plays, that's when you really allow players to, to show their, their wares into their physical abilities. So um, especially lose to the, the Cardinals on, on Sunday, that's definitely the end of the season. So why not just kind of just open the playbook up, get have some fun with it, get creative, see what happens, and finish like 8-8 eight and eight and reboot for next year. Yeah, totally. I mean, the, the fact that they had that terrible experience with not having Chase Winovich out there, just mind-boggling. So yeah, absolutely. Open up the playbook, allow just their best players to make plays. It seems like they've not been doing that. It seems like they've been allowing their best players to kind of just ride the sideline when they don't put Damian Harris as the focal point of that offense, when they don't let Chase Winovich be that focal point of that defensive front for no real reason. It's it's very head-scratching to me. And so yeah, for the remainder of the year, just let them go out there, get that experience, let them become better at what it is that they do well, maybe learn what it is that they don't do well and figure out ways to scheme around that. This is just, yeah, there, there's no real reason to hold anything back for the rest of this year because 
this year was always going to be ridiculous anyways from uh what does it going to mean for like the overall franchise due to like not having an off season and so treat this as the opportunity you know the patriots always use the first four weeks of the regular season to generally learn what it is that they do well and they didn't have that this year because cam newton was on the covid list and that kind of derailed the rest of the season just use the rest of the year as just an extended preseason like as you said like if, if they lose to the cardinals just do that allow the players just to say all right what can you do why did olszewski not get a few more targets right like is he going to be that guy or not and just give them that opportunity to prove whether or not they can do that. And then if not, then at least you know what you have on your roster for next year. Indeed. And it's, I never thought I'd be in a position where we're actually, it's it, the fact that I had never thought we'd be in a position where at before Thanksgiving, we're talking about what the Patriots are going to do next year just shows how thankful I am in this festive season of the <laughs> year that we've been able to have such success for so long. And they've never lost more than five games since I started at Pat's pulpit, which was I think 2010 or 11, Wow, which is just absurd to think about. They've never lost more than five games in the past 10 years. So long overdue for this. And it's kind of interesting in a lot of ways and kind of fun in a lot of ways to be like, all right, this season's over. Let's build towards next year. And it could always be a lot worse. We could be the Jets. We could be winless and already totally out of playoff contention. So perspective, my man. Yeah, absolutely. I'm kind of excited, too. There are a lot of bright pieces on this team. You got your Michael Onwenu. I definitely think that Jacoby Myers has a spot on this team. There's some good, talented players entering their prime on defense, and I really like what Kyle Duggar and Chase Winovich can bring to this team, as well as J.C. Jackson. So there is a bright future. This isn't the Patriots' year. That's absolutely okay. They don't have to win this year. No one was expecting them to, uh, but I would just love to see what they got. Um, but that's it for this week, Alec. I don't have anything else to say about this just had scratching loss to the Houston Texans. Uh, do you have any final thoughts on week 11 of the NFL season? Nope. Just a happy Thanksgiving to you and yours, Rich. Happy Thanksgiving to those out there listening. Thanks for everything. Uh, stay safe, stay healthy, and eat some good food no matter where you are. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, until next time, Alec, you have a good one. See you, bud. Later.